0: Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Doyle's message was to a person that has been Christian for a while. I have a message for those of you that are not Christians at all yet, or just become a Christian. Do you know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I didn't ask you if you knew Jesus. Do you know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do you know his attitude toward you? Do you know his attitude toward you? What what he thinks about you? I'm going to introduce you to him today. I'm going to introduce you to the God that when the Israelites were going to be annihilated by the Egyptians, God opened up the Red Sea so they could walk through. And then when he got his people to the other side, he took care of the Egyptians. That's the God that I'm going to introduce you to today. I'm going to introduce you to what he thinks about you. And I want us to start in Luke 2. I'm going to begin in verse 11. This is God's will. Jehovah one that parted the Red Sea, the one when Joshua was in a war trying to save another people. He told God, I need help. And God stopped the rotation of the earth. Stop the rotation of the earth so Joshua could get the job done. That's the God I'm going to talk about today. Okay, Luke 2, This is is an angel speaking. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, a baby. And then suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host. A multitude. We're talking big multitude The heavenly host praising God and saying, all these angels, all these hosts of heaven are saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Look at these next four words, good will toward men. Did you know that was God's attitude toward you? Good will toward men. Good will toward you. Good will toward you. When I, was in, um, when I was a young child and going to a denominational church, I found that there was a difference between the God that I used to talk to on top of a doghouse and the God that I heard about in church. We used to kind of laugh about it. We used to think that God was like a, a big man with a big stick. And every time you put up your head, he would play whack-a-man he would knock you down that's not the god that's in this bible and that's what we're going to look at that is not how god views you do you believe the bible do you believe that the words of the in this bible are the words of god if you do i will show you what god thinks about you right here it says goodwill toward men turn with me to jeremiah 31 I'm going to begin in 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. This is Jehovah speaking. He said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. A new one. He said, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. in The day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant, they break. They broke it. It says, the covenant that they break Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Do you see what God is saying here? I did everything I could for them. I loved them. I was a husband to them. They're the one that broke the covenant. He said, but this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts in their belly. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I'll be to them a God. I'll be to them a God, and they shall be me, my people. That's what God wanted. He wanted to be their God, and he wanted them to be his people, his people. He said, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Do you see what God's plan was? for everybody to know him, for him to be their God, and for us, for us to be God's people. He said, "'Know the Lord, for they shall know me "'from the least of them unto the greatest,' saith the Lord. "'For, for,' how's he gonna get this done? "'For I will forgive their iniquity, "'and I will remember their sin no more.'" That was God's will. He wants to be your God, and he wants you to be his people. That's what the Word of God says, not what another man says. That's what the Word of God says. Now, turn with me to Acts 2. We're going to see how he accomplished this. I'm going to begin in verse 22 of Acts 2. It says, you men of Israel, this is Peter talking after the Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was given and they spoke in tongues. They had a whole bunch of people show up and say, what is going on with this people? It must be Super Bowl Sunday. They're all drunk. No. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. It said, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Determinate counsel means the deliberate plan. The deliberate plan and foreknowledge of God. Everything that happened to Jesus was planned. Everything that happened to Jesus was planned from the moment of his inception to the moment he was raised from the dead. It was all planned by God and his foreknowledge. Why? Why? Why had God this plan? Well, we read about it in Jeremiah 2 because he wanted to be our God and he wants us to be his people. You know, that's why the correction comes when you're a Christian, because he loves us and he wants us to be his people. So he has to fix us so we can be his people. Turn with me to John 6, verse 37. This is Jesus himself speaking. And he talks about the will of his father. He talks about his father. We're not so much talking about Jesus here. We're talking about God's attitude towards you, his will towards you, towards you. Oh, but I can't get rid of this, this, um, the drinking. This is God's attitude towards you. I can't get off these drugs. This is God's attitude towards you. I can't stop doing what I'm doing. This is God's attitude towards you. Keep listening. I'll show you how he's going to get you out of it. He's going to get you out of it. Why? Because he wants to be your God. And he wants you to be his people. He promised that in the word. Now, let's go to verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, look at these next words. I will in no wise, no wise cast out. Do you hear that? Jesus himself said, I will in no wise wise, cast you out. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you're at. I will in no wise cast you out if you come to Jesus. Do you hear that promise? Do you hear that promise? Well, you don't know what of a mess I'm in. Jesus will in no wise cast you out. And you know what? He can get you out of that mess you're in. I I'm a witness. I've watched him do it for me. All right. He said, I will in no wise cast him out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will. Not to do my own will. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Why? Because he wants to be your God and he wants you to be his people. So he sent Jesus. Jesus didn't come on his own. It wasn't Jesus' idea. Jesus says it right here. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. The next verse. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. That all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. I should lose nothing. Do you hear that? You go to Jesus, he won't lose you. He won't lose you. You hang on to Jesus. He won't lose you. He said, I will lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last day. And this next verse. And this is the will. This is Jehovah. This is the will of him that sent me. This is God's will. This is God's will that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life everlasting life. You know when that life starts? The moment you're born again. Not when you get into heaven. That everlasting life starts the moment you're born again. The moment you're born again, your everlasting life starts. Your eternity starts. You're where God will work with you, walk with you, make you victorious. It starts the moment you're born again. Are you born again? We'll get you there. It says, Everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is a promise. It says, For this is the will of him that sent me. This is the will of God. Why? Because he wants to be your God, and he wants you to be his people. He said, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up that last day. I'll raise him up. It's a promise. He also said, Those that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. No wise. Why? Because God wants to be your God. And he wants you to be his people. Turn with me to Romans 5. I'm going to begin in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man a one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But look at this next verse. But God commendeth his love toward us, commendeth, proved it, demonstrated his love toward us, demonstrated it, for why we were yet sinners, why we were at our worst, while we were at our worst, during our worst sins, while we were at our worst. Jesus died for us. He didn't wait until you got your act together because he knows you can't. He died when you were at your worst and he died for you. It says much more than, verse nine, being now justified by his blood, the blood he shed on that tree, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And if you read any other tr- translations, saved From the wrath of God. Saved from the wrath of God. Jesus came here to save us from the wrath of God. Do you know it is written? It is written that sin, the wages of sin is death. It is written. That's the way it is. He's God. And there are some things that don't change. The wages of sin is death. Wrath is coming. It has been promised in that Bible since Genesis. The wrath of God is coming. Worse than we've ever seen it. But you know what this verse says here? God sent Jesus so we doesn't have to have his wrath on us. So that we don't have to have his wrath on us. He doesn't want his wrath on us. That's what he said in Jeremiah. I want to be their God. And I want them to be my people. And I sent Jesus so that my wrath doesn't have to go on them. Is that love or what? Is that love or what? There has to be wrath that God sent away that that wrath doesn't come on us. And how does he do it? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Wrath is coming, folks. It's coming. But God made a way. It doesn't have to come on us. It doesn't have to come on us. He doesn't want it to come on us. I've shared this before. God doesn't want his wrath on you. But you don't know what I've done. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And you know how he knows what you did? Let's go to Isaiah 53. Verse 4. Surely. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains, our sorrows. Yet we'd we esteem Jesus stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was put on the tree for our transgressions. Why was he put on the tree for our transgressions? Because God didn't want his wrath on you. God doesn't want his wrath on you. He wants to be your God, and he wants you to be his people. So how's he going to solve that? He's going to send Jesus to take the wrath for you. Jesus took the wrath of God for you, if you will believe. Jesus took the wrath of God. Look at the wrath of God as I read it. It says, but he was wounded, pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The punishment, whatever it took for us to get peace, he put it on Jesus. He put it on Jesus. And he says, and with his stripes, Jesus took the stripes we should have taken. He took the wrath of God for us. You got something bugging you? Jesus took the punishment for it for you clear down to hell. Jesus bore that wrath for you. He went to hell for you. Why? Because God wants to be your God and he wants you to be his people and he doesn't want his wrath on you. So what did he do? He had Jesus come as a man, as a baby, grow. And then when he was ready, When he was ready, the foreknowledge, the determinate plan of the Father and his love towards you, he sent Jesus to the cross. He sent Jesus to the cross for you. For you. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He took your wrath. He took your sin On his own body. He that knew no sin became sin. What have you done? It went on the body of Jesus. It went on the body of Jesus. Why? Because the Father wants to be your God and he wants you to be his people. So he took what you did and he put it on the body of Jesus. You you drink because you're sad. You're sad because you don't know God loves you. You're sad because you don't know that God wants to be your God and He wants you to be His people. And He took what you did and He put it on the body of Jesus. Instead, instead, Jesus paid for what you've done, He paid for it all the way to the lowest parts of hell. And then what happened? Let's go to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It made God happy that Jesus suffered and burned in hell. Why did it make God happy? Because he wants to be your God, and he wants you to be his people. Somebody was going to have to pay. Somebody was going to have to pay. Somebody was going to have to take the wrath of God. And you know what? Jesus did it for you. He did it for you. And it says, and it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, made him sick. Well, now shall make the soul of Jesus an offering for sin. He that became sin. He that knew no sin became sin. It says, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You shall see the travail of the soul of Jesus. Jesus suffering on the cross. Jesus taking the punishment for your sin, my sin. Jesus paying for that sin in hell. The father saw the travail of Jesus' soul and he was satisfied. He was satisfied. He said, it's enough. It's enough. This is what had to happen so I could be their God and they could be my people. Have you ever thought about that? You're the people of God when you believe what Jesus did. You're his people. His people. You know what God does for his people? He feeds them. He clothes them. He finds them the best jobs when they're his people. He gets them the best houses and the best land. And you know what's even better than that? You can have a one-on-one with the God that loves you. You can have fellowship with the God that parted the Red Sea. You can have a face-to-face, a heart-to-heart with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what's so wonderful about that? He puts you right there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't see any difference. Because he wants to be your God and he wants you to be his people. Now, how do we get there? Turn with me to Matthew, Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus spoke this parable unto certain of them which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. We're gonna see a wonderful little thing here about how God, how we can get to God. It says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The publican was the lowest of the low. He was the scum of the earth. He was everybody the other side of town, as we would say it. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Or even as this publican, this low guy, this low of the low. He says, I fast twice in a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, look at this publican. He said, The publican standing afar off would not so much lift up his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. He lived, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven, smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, help me. Be merciful to me. And look what Jesus said about that man. He said, I tell you, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This man went down to his house justified. Father, help me. I'm a sinner. And what did Jesus say? This man went home justified. The sin was gone. Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus said, you must be to become that child of God, the people of God. You have to be born again. You have to receive the spirit of Jesus into you. It's born into you. And you know what? It's wonderfully easy to do that. Romans 10:13 states, Amen. those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Do you need saved from something? Those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on that name with me. Jesus. Jesus, let him hear you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at com, Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861 327 Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.